Welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto, the podcast for all things cryptocurrency, whether you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran, or just crypto curious. I am your host, Alicia Chapman, and today's conversation is one that I cannot wait to bring to your ears. I've been hanging out to do this one. We've got Josh Raya from NFT for Noobs. Hi, Josh. How are you? Hey, guys. Good. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you for having me today. It's amazing being here. Oh, I cannot wait to see where this conversation goes. There's so many different things we could be talking about. Now, Josh, your story is one that I found pretty interesting. You know, where you've come into crypto and the NFT world and the community that you've built off the back of it is such an incredible story. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to get here? Yeah, for sure. So I started investing into crypto in 2017. I was a civil engineer at the time. So like during like when I would knock off, I'd go home and invest. And as most people, I call it the burning ring of fire. You get rug pulled or you enter a bear market. And that's essentially what happened to me in 2017. But being an engineer and understanding all like the mathematics and the blockchain stuff really interested me. So over like through the next few years, as I was a civil engineer, I still looked into it and I was like, this is way more than just a monetary thing that people want to come into the space and be invested in. They should be looking at what blockchain itself can do because the technology itself is going to revolutionize the whole world. So I kind of dabbled into it here and there up until 2020. And that's when I kind of really found NFTs and was like, this is literally the next level of finally something that's not just about the price going up and down. It's about like having an identity. It's about having digital ownership and actually having ownership to the internet, which we've never, ever had before in history. So it's essentially the whole birth of a whole new asset class uh, to be able to own the internet, which arguably could even be more powerful than actually owning the digital assets. And once I understood that, having a gaming background as well, buying and spending a lot of money on like Fortnite skins, playing with my friends like every night while I was an engineer, I was just like, I realized that I didn't actually own any of the assets in the game. You're actually renting them and in the terms and services of all these games, um, at any time, they can just take all that you spend $10,000, $100,000 on these in-game items, they can just take it away for no reason and they don't need any reason to do that. And once it came into my, I actually was a podcast from Animoca Brands, Yatsu, who's one of the biggest like investment companies in, in all the NFT and meta- metaverse space. He explained that concept to me that we're actually playing to rent instead of playing to own. And so when that concept came to my head, I was like, this is the next level. And it ended up dropping everything and I started trading NFTs for the whole year of 2021 and found a lot of success in that because I call it the golden era. That's when Board Up Yacht Club wasn't out yet. It was a lot easier to flip. You can still flip now and make some money, but we made a decent amount at that time to be able to drop everything and then put it back into what I wanted to create, which is a brand in the space to help beginners avoid the mistakes that I had made right at the beginning of my journey, whether it's flipping, whether it's creating like a brand yourself or understanding where the potential is in the NFT space. Because a lot of people think it's just about buying JPEGs that go up and down in price, but there is so much more to it. And that's kind of what's led me here today. Oh, it's so good. And there is, there is so much more to it. Like the conversations we're having lately, and I guess just the way that people are finally utilizing these, it is so exciting. And it is, you know, that combination now that we're seeing everyone come through with that blockchain technology and the benefits of that. And now NFTs to build these incredible communities, incredible things that are happening. So I can't wait to go into a few more details around that today with you. Something that we ask absolutely every guest to the podcast is back in 2017, when you were playing around then, what was the very first cryptocurrency that you purchased and do you still have it now 
I think I was lucky because I actually had a friend back then that showed me and I'd literally go to his house every day after work because I was like, what is this MetaMask thing? How do you do it? Like, And he showed me how to buy Ethereum back then. So I think Ethereum was actually my first one, which I think I sold during the bear market because I was just freaking out at that time and very inexperienced. But it was in fact Ethereum. And then it was this other one called Attention Token or something, which was actually, yeah. I don't think it's around anymore, but the concept was really cool about the voting system and, and how it can blockchain can disrupt that as well. So those are the, my two first ones. Oh my gosh, I love that. And so your journey from there, like you mentioned that you were doing some flipping, which is a really cool concept and worked really well for a lot of people. Did you get in on any of the big projects early on? It's a funny story. I was, everyone knows now just the 10K PFP, which is 10K profile picture collections. But back in 2020, that didn't exist. It was all about historical NFTs or artist NFTs. Like if you're a big artist in the NFT space, a lot of people found value in investing into them because they were the first in the digital realm. So people were buying these pieces because they were like, these are, they're the first. When this blows up, they're going to be essentially the next like Picasso's and all that, like they're going to be huge in the future. So it was more about buying these one-of-one art and finding artists that were, had, might have a future in the space itself. So that's what we were buying to start with. Like X-Copy back then wasn't really a big thing, but now it's big. And then Bordex Art Club came in, in March 2021. But because we're in that mentality, and that's what the concept people don't understand is that right now they're like, I would have bought Bordex Art Club back then. Like that's what I would have done. I would have made a lot of money. But it was a lot harder back then because that wasn't a thing yet. That wasn't a meta and that wasn't an alpha. So I was on the Board Apple Club website seven times, I remember, because everyone was talking about this 10K PFP concept. And I was like, this is dumb. Like, no one's not going to know what this is in the future, the last six months. And so I didn't, I didn't buy into any of them at all. I bought into like the first Ethereum NFTs, which eventually got auctioned out at Christie's auction last yeah. year. And that, that that's the type of stuff I was into, not really these 10K PFP ones, to be honest, because it was so foreign to me and especially the people that were in the space for a bit longer. Yeah, 100%. And like hindsight is a wonderful thing. Like I still remember when even World of Women came out and I was like, oh, this yeah. is sick. Like this is cool. This is a bit different. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll buy one one day. And then like two weeks later, I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the same sort of thing. Like, you know, and again, like anything now that we know, like anything Kevin Rose touches is just magic. But back exactly. at that time, no, there wasn't that hype in that community. It was there. It was growing. Same with Friends, all of these ones that you just go back and you go, oh, my God, what have I done? But exactly. really, really cool. Something I'd love to unpack with you, and primarily because, you know, everyone who is listening right now in real time, you're probably going to be maybe a little bit more engaged in the cryptocurrency side rather than the NFT side. I'd love to know your thoughts on this current narrative that's going around that, you know, NFTs are dead. It's over. It's done. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, it's the same thing. It's interesting going to these conventions and I meet very crypto native people that don't know much about NFTs and they kind of, they don't look down, but they just don't understand NFTs. And I'm like, you guys were at the same position in 2017 and 15 where the rest of the world looked down on crypto and said, crypto is dead. And we know the narrative, we see the memes where crypto has been dead a hundred times, but it just keeps doing this and this. It's the same concept with NFTs as well. It's like, it's just like keeping an open mind and really understanding that it's not just like a picture, not just a JPEG. It's a community you're involved with if you're specifically investing into these PFPs. But it's also NFTs itself will become something that'll be a lot more than just PFPs where it'll be fractionalized real estate. It'll be dynamic NFTs that the people can use within games. It'll be play to earn gaming. And it won't all just be about like NFTs are dead because it can't be because it's going to be used for everything. So at the end of the day, it's like just understanding that it's not just about the PFP. It's about 
the technology itself and where that's going to go. No, and I, I 100% personally, I agree with you so much because I can just see so much real world utility for what we're building now. And like mm. you touched on, like it's not those pixels. That's not what we're talking about here. It's not what we're doing. Okay. You know, we've seen some amazing, amazing projects come out of the last even six months. Things are still happening here and still being built, which is really, really cool. And now moving on from that, you've created this incredible community and you do teach people about NFTs and their potential and what's going on. How did that sort of come about? And how do you, I guess, you know, right now maintain engagement with that community? That's a really good question, actually. I first started it because, like I mentioned, I was in the space for about a year, like flipping, but I quickly realized there was a zero-sum game and that it was just people like, we're all on Twitter, we're all on Discord, it's an echo chamber, probably 100,000 of us maximum every single day really trading it. But I was like, we're not going anywhere. The space isn't going anywhere. And it was because there was a lack of education bringing people into the space. Not that I want to flip into them, but I just want people to enter the space so the space itself grows so quickly. And that's why like when I stopped flipping and I was like, I just want to give back and have a brand. I was like, I'm going to create something that no one's really thought about before. Because everyone, when they think about NFTs, they go straight into, I'm creating a project. But I was like, I don't want to create a project. Everyone is doing that right now. How about we try and give some value back? So it started off with just starting doing a few TikTok videos about the lessons I had learned from being in this space for like a year and a half, two years, and the lessons that if I could go back in time and tell myself and I would avoid those mistakes. And those videos went viral, like they went crazy. Like within the span of four months, we had 200,000 people across Instagram, Discord, TikTok, and emails and all that as well. And it just started off really with that and became very organic because I wasn't selling anything. I did six months straight of just content without like not nothing in the back end to like monetize or anything like that. It's purely about giving value back to the people. And I think people really like that. And to the point where they were getting and they're learning and avoiding a lot of mistakes and saving thousands of dollars of these mistakes. And with those mistakes, like what sort of things did you do? Like what would you change if you went back now? Yeah. If I went back, it's understanding that it's a, there's a cycle to NFT. Like you traders that are probably listening now, you guys probably understand in the crypto scene, there's certain ways and you, you've been burnt a few times, you know, to take profit at certain times. And that's the same thing with NFTs is that the phases go like this. The NFTs, collection starts they start building up some hype on twitter discord they gain a quick following you can tell that based upon their following and some analytics that if they have five thousand nfts and there's a few hundred thousand people interested in it then obviously there's going to be a lot of demand so then you buy the nft on the whitelist what happens after whitelist is that the price will go up and then there's a public sale and then the public sale buys it the price keeps going up all the way up until the pre-reveal, which is where you need to sell because the pre-reveal is where the most hype is and that's the biggest catalyst event. And that's when a lot of people FOMO buy in because you've got 5,000 supply, a few hundred thousand people trying to buy in. So they're all buying in at that time because you also, it's the gambling mentality of all of us as well. We want to see what we get. So even if you aren't going to flip, no one's selling, the price goes up and then you, you sell there because then once it reveals, then that's when everyone sees the NFTs, the chances of you getting a 5% rare or a legendary is, is 5%. So then everyone else dumps because they realize they don't have a rare one. And then the price is just absolutely, like they just dump after that. So it's understanding that cycle and that's literally how most of 95% of the projects work. And if you can understand that and get on that whitelist or public sale at the right time without paying too much gas, you're making thousands to tens of thousands of dollars doing that. But like a lot of people make that mistake and they don't sell during that pre-reveal. So that was a big lesson. Definitely. And I think that's, you know, primarily if you are, you know, and and some of our listeners might be just looking to make some cash because you can still do Mm. it, as you mentioned, like, you know, that is still happening 
happening right now. There is, of course, that mentality of like, you know, just wanting to be involved in the project as well. And I think, you know, in that instance, you'd have a completely different outtake to that. But yeah, if you're looking to make some money pretty quickly, that's a great way to do it. 100%. And what about like right now, we're looking at this community and, you know, the market is doing what it's doing. How are you maintaining engagement with your audience and keeping them interested? That's an amazing question because I also like when I come to these events and I speak to all these amazing smart people with these amazing projects and ideas, their biggest problem and it's everyone's pain point in the crypto web three space is that their concepts are so foreign to the general consumer and they can't communicate that. And that comes down to content, especially if you want to be in it for the long term, like TikTok, Instagram, all these platforms are amazing places to start building your real grassroots community. But a lot of them don't know how to do that. And so that's what we're really good at is that we've had to shift our content a lot, especially during the bull market that we just had coming into the bear market we have now. The same content we were doing six months ago isn't working right now. So we've had to shift it and try new things out. What we found is that back in the bull market for NFT specifically, we were doing content about as soon as you mentioned NFT and like a project that might have potential, because I'd also call out projects that were doing had flipping potential back then that it would just get a lot of virality because people wanted to make money back then they knew it was a big and a good source of income in the bull market but if you do that now people know it's a lot harder so they're not as engaged so we've also shifted our content into more like integrating foreign concepts but making it fun for people like but making it pop culture related because at the end of the day if you're scrolling tiktok or instagram and you see a picture of snoop dogg you're going to be more engaged if you're like a hip-hop artist or like just generally in the world, more, more people know about Snoop Dogg than about the word NFT or the word Yatsu, who's Animoca Brands like founder, all that kind of stuff. So it's just really tailoring our content to be more like pop culture and Web2 familiar, but then tying in some concepts about Web3 and NFTs at the end so that they're at least thinking about the space so that we're still educating them, but we're hooking them with more pop culture or more relevant content that's happening today in just the general Web2 world. Super smart. And you still seeing that participation? Like, obviously, I can imagine it's dropped a little bit, but are there still new people coming in every week? Oh, 100%. Like, yeah, it is like the overall engagement's dropped. Like, and I've spoken to a lot of people in this space, whether they're a company or an influencer or a brand, and it, they've all dropped a lot, obviously, at this current time. But with TikTok, and that's the beauty about TikTok and why we focus on that is that, like, the last two days ago, we got a video that I had a, a 380,000 people view the video. And then with those videos, you get a few thousand followers across all the platforms. So you're still growing in a bear market, but just having to shift the content. And these people, might be hooked by a tech video, like a AR video, but at the end of the day, they're following the brand and they're going to be hit with NFT content as well and crypto content throughout the video types that we do as well. So it is definitely growing. It's just knowing how to shift the content and be able to move with the market so that you can stay relevant. Yeah. And I guess like finding and sharing the stuff that is happening because it's it's Incredible. Like some of the conversations that we're seeing, some of the projects, as I mentioned, are really, really exciting. We've had conversations recently on on almost everything, you know, from music artists and using them sporting. We've just seen the AFL. They're actually dropping their second round of NFTs, which is really exciting. And even down to, you know, like real estate and those sort of industries, how they can begin to use NFTs. Where do you personally see the most value in this space? I see this space, like my prediction is that we could have like another PFP run later on because at the end of the day, there's only like a 
oh, only maybe over a million people that have bought NFTs and there's 7 billion people that use the internet. So that's very small compared to that. So I think when the next bull run, we could see maybe another PFP run. But I think where the most attention will come is when we finally get a play-to-earn game that's actually interesting and fun to play that has NFTs and blockchain mechanics underneath it. Because right now we had a lot of play-to-earn, we had this huge gaming run through Axie Infinity, but the, it wasn't, to me, it's not a game, it's like work because people are playing it just like the game wasn't fun at all. And being a gamer myself, the biggest like disconnect with these Web3 gaming companies or metaverse companies and the gaming space is that they're making games with the intention of making money, but the gamers play because it's fun. So I think once the first fun game comes out that, that the consumer doesn't realize has blockchain capabilities or that they can actually cash their money out and that gets mass adopted whether it's Fortnite and they've done it in another layer so that they can cash out their v bucks or whether it's grand theft auto or any of those games once that get gets mass adopted i think that'll spark a whole new bull run of actual games and all the games that we have mainstream now will be changing their structures to ha- incorporate uh, a play-to-earn mechanic in it, if because if not, it'll become like a system where we had Blockbuster and Netflix, where Blockbuster refused to buy Netflix at the time because they didn't have the vision to see that online streaming would be a thing, and they could have bought them for ten million dollars at the time, I think. But now mm-hmm. they're worth like a, a few billion or something now, and and Blockbuster's completely dead. I think it'll be a concept like that where that'll spark like the next bull one will be like the gaming side. Yeah, it's definitely. And we have had recently just an episode drop with the guys from Alluvium with Kieran from there, which is incredible. Have you been following along that project? I've seen them like right when they started. I'm in an outlet. Like I don't have enough time to be able to just watch all the like AMAs and stuff. But as soon as I saw the concept at the beginning, I was hooked. I've done a few videos on them that have gone pretty viral as well on, I call it this game will change the world because I'm hoping <laughs> that they will be that game I'm talking about and that they maybe I'll be able to incorporate this really fun concept, but still have these other blockchain capabilities that give people the opportunity to make it the first mass adopted game that's actually fun and play to earn and everyone will play it. Yeah, they're super cool. Some really interesting stuff happening in that space. And I think as well, like, again, it's coming back to that adoption piece, right? Like with all of this, we want it to be like, you're not actually feeling like you're in that NFT ecosystem. Like that's not what you're thinking when you're doing this. You're not thinking about MetaMask. You're not thinking about how challenging it is or foreign or if you're going to get scammed. Um, Someone who I think personally has done this really well is, you know, the AFL in collaboration with BA Media and Animoca. Mm. They've made their NFT project. But with that, you know, there is some variances to other projects. You know, those NFTs aren't available on OpenSea, but it does mean that they've created their own little community where you are logging into their website, you're logging in, you're buying it on their website, and it just feels like you're buying another piece of merch. It doesn't feel like you're buying this crazy, scary foreign thing. So I think once we have that, it's just like natural that this is just going to be something that instead of like, you know, we've talked about paper tickets to concerts mm. and you go to Maya and exactly. you pick them up from the counter one day. Like this is exactly. just that next evolution of that, I think, as well. A hundred percent. And I totally agree with that as well. And I think it's actually more powerful than physical assets because with this concept of you buying, like, say, for example, a festival ticket, like everyone collects it. They have their bands in like little boxes at home to remember that memory. But like now, for example, Instagram's already incorporating NFTs into 
their system. Like imagine if you could have a section under your photos, reels. Now there's NFTs and it shows a history of what you've done and where you've been. If you've been to Coachella 10 years in a row, that's another level of social flexing and people can see that. It'll be the new version of standing in front of a Lamborghini or catching a private plane. It's going to be like, oh, he has a board Ape Yacht Club or he's been to Coachella 10 times or he's got these AFL mint ones that were season one and now no one can buy them anymore. And it's even more powerful because people also argue in the NFT space, like why would I ever want to buy a digital piece of artwork when I can just hang one on my wall. And I always say to them, like, do you look at your wall all day or do you look at your phone? Yeah. You're looking at your phone. 90% of your day is on your phone and you're also constantly looking at other profiles. So it's more valuable being in the digital realm than actually in the physical realm because what can you do? You can hang it up there, but no one can see it. There's, there's no intrinsical value compared to what you can actually have on your phone and see every day. So it's it's a new concept and a lot of people struggle with it. But I think once they do get it, I think that's when the whole space will really go forward and they're going to be like, oh, okay, this makes more sense now. We are on our phone. We're literally working in, my, in our social lives. 80% of that time is on the computer, on our phone. It's all digitally. So it just makes sense that these digital assets have value. Yeah. And I think I always have to keep reminding myself that I am a bit older, right? Like, you know, I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination. Like I'm, I'm just turned 30, but you know, I think this generation that's coming through, right? Like we used to print photos as kids and put them in yeah. albums. There will be kids now that have never seen a printed photo that don't have 100%. one. Like that's exactly. their life. They don't have magazines. They haven't grown up with newspapers. It's all digital. And so I think it's yeah. just that constant reminder. Well, whilst I might go back and struggle with this concept every now and again, it's not for me. And if I don't keep mm. up with this, you're just going to get left behind. Exactly. And I'm 28 as well. So I grew up, I think we grew up in the lucky, not the lucky era, but we grew up with like cassettes. Then we saw DVDs. Then we saw floppy disks. And then we saw the internet. Like we didn't have the internet when we were younger. And so like we've seen it grow, like these concepts that we've grown up with, we've seen them come out of nowhere and actually disrupt the entire world. So that's why this it's not too crazy for me to think that this internet can get an extra upgrade which is essentially what the blockchain is doing it, it's not too crazy like at the end of the day innovation is what all these tech companies are striving for and if they can tap into that next level of innovation they have market share so they're all pushing for it like everyone wants to be in the metaverse everyone wants to be the leading person or the leading brand like facebook's changed their name to meta it's just natural progression and it's just the next level of what we're kind of cons as consumers we're going to have to get used to <laughs> Yeah. And I just can't wait for that transition period where it doesn't feel foreign. It's just yeah. how we're living our life, which it will come. It will come. Something that you've posted about recently that I really loved was the opportunity for the metaverse to create billionaires, which yes. I, again, wholeheartedly agree with. Can you talk us through some of the million dollar ideas you think there's opportunities for? Yeah. And this guy's, my ideas here, like they're not just me saying them, like Mark Zuckerberg himself has said this, like he's pushing for these concepts is that and he's not recent, it's been a few months now, but he came up with this video about why he's changed his name to Meta. And essentially with Meta, he wants to create like an ecosystem where you can buy and sell digital assets. And so essentially he said like a role in his metaverse is that you can have digital stores where you create like through 3D rendering or whatever, like these digital clothings that people can actually own because they're NFTs and put on their avatars, etc. So whether it's like Balenciaga's in the metaverse and they created a store in there now and there's only like a limited edition of avatar skins or clothing that they can wear, that's the realm that a lot of people aren't 
I'm thinking about a lot of people I've met at these conferences already doing it when they're ahead of their time, but they're essentially creating like the Canva for the metaverse where, you know, we can go on Canva now. Canva's completely disrupted the whole like Adobe Photoshop area where like I can pick it up and create and essentially just graphic design and then be able to bring that into Instagram or my business or whatever. Essentially, they're creating these concepts like if you can be able to create the Canva for the metaverse and you send it out then white label it, people can use that to create their metaverse assets and sell it. Um, so that's one concept. There's, there's so many more like the metaverse has a lot of things like metaverse advertising being in then be able to understand like if you buy a lot of real estate, if you're in the right metaverses, that essentially that will be advertising potential in the future as well whether it's like McDonald's or like they want to come in and they buy a certain section out of your metaverse building or land. There's so many things that like just haven't been created yet, but they're the two main ones that I've kind of looked into a bit. Yeah, both of them really lean into that. Again, that bridge that we're looking for and we need at the moment. You know, when the internet first started, there was someone who made this more than just lines of codes and a database or something like that. There was someone who made a platform that made it like, oh, hey, I could go on there and I could send an email, like rather than writing something out, you know, just that usability and functionality anyone who can tap into that is there's so much opportunity exactly that and it is it's essentially just making sure the user experience is good because like when the internet first started it was everyone just thought it was just a thing to send emails to each other they didn't know that you could do so much more with it and then eventually that came into you can send pictures now then videos now you can stream and the people that created and facilitated like being able to stream like netflix um, the Amazons, like they were the ones that essentially became the billionaires because they facilitated this user experience. They made it a lot better to the point where now their concepts need to be used all across the internet now and everyone needs them for the internet to be able to be usable and fun for us to use. So it is like selling the shovels during a gold rush, which I'm not sure if a lot of you listeners know about, but it's during the gold rush, a lot of the, the people selling the shovels made the most money, whereas the people searching for gold didn't make any money at all because there's such a limited amount of gold in a certain area, but you're selling something that everyone needs to use. And then that's how you monetize and make the most money is essentially the same analogy that I think of with this space. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think going back to our grandparents as well, and streaming was a great one that you just mentioned. Like, I remember when Netflix came out, right? And my grandma was like, why would you do this? You know, you don't own it. It's not in your house. You don't have this. And I was like, exactly. oh, well, you know, give it a go. And now like all of our grandparents have it. Like everyone I know has a Netflix account. There is no blockbuster. There is no everything. But at that start, people were thinking, same with DVDs. They're like, well, I've got a VHS player. Why would I need a DVD? Exactly. What's the benefit in it? And, you know, it's again, that's kind of the resistance I think we're faced with right now is the people that are like, well, why would I want this? Why would I need to, you know, make a community where people can get rewarded with tokens and get rewarded with, you know, little characters? Why would I need to do that? Exactly. It's the same thing, exactly. And I think the biggest disconnect with a lot of those concepts is that the lack of insight or like forward thinking from the consumers as well, because they're just like, we live in this period of time now. Why would we need it right now? We don't need it right now, but it's not needing it right now. It's thinking five years in, in advance. And that's where the most technologies and companies really do the best, like Amazon and Facebook, all of them. They really thought 10 years in advance and their ideas have really come true. And that's how they've really been able to turn into billion dollar, trillion dollar industries as well. Now, speaking of gold, uh, there will be some people that will want to search for gold instead of selling shovels. So <laughs> going back to what we touched on at the start, and I guess you are so active in this space, how can people find the next big thing to invest in? 
Which, if I'm being completely honest, the NFT space is like the most speculative space in the world right now. And every macroeconomically, everything is just we don't know what the state of the world is right now. And so we we get destroyed the most. Like after the emerge, like the catalyst is done, everything's come down. NFTs have come down even lower. So I'm just kind of waiting to see to pick up really what I think are blue chip projects, which are like projects that have long-term potential in my opinion. I'm not really bullish on the projects that are, like, are launching now unless they've got big names behind them because at this current market now, a lot of projects that have launched are losing money and they're all going to zero. Even the big ones that you thought would be able to last a bit longer, they don't have enough money now to pay their team. So I'm really losing this opportunity now to just keep watching. One of my favorite long-term ones is Artifact Studios. They were the company that was bought out by Nike and it's essentially their metaverse division for Nike. And so because they are part of Nike, like Nike has a lot of money, so they're going to be able to get through this bull market. And them themselves have already made a lot of money from their drops um, that they don't even need to tap into Nike's resources for now to be able to fund them. So that's when I'm looking forward to buying a few of them once it comes down a bit cheaper, maybe around the four to three ETH mark. I'm going to probably buy a few of them because... They've got, they've got a lot of potential. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that I've been seeing, not fully confirmed yet, but LeBron James has one there now. So they've essentially created the first, not the first, but like big collection dynamic NFTs as well, where they've converted one into a LeBron James one. And the rumor going around is that every time an athlete comes back to sign with Nike again, part of the contract now has a metaverse extension where they have to have an identity that's linked to Nike because the Serena Williams already has one. So a few months ago, it was rumored that she had redone her contract with Nike. And then at the same time, she posted an artifact NFT that looked like her. It's a, they make it specifically for them. And yeah. so LeBron one has just been made and they just had this big conference in the headquarters and that just got leaked as well. But we're not really sure what's happening behind the scenes. So they're really doing well, like Artifact Studios and Mutant Ape Yacht Club is another one I'm looking at. They're the two ones that I'm really focused on because I think that their team, their resources are really going to be able to pump throughout the next bull market, but not specifically looking through projects that are launching because it's just too risky right now to launch in these markets, I think anyway, especially to be able to raise enough funds to last through an entire bear market. But definitely keep an eye out for those two. They are really, really cool ones to watch, even just to learn what they're doing. And I think something else that's really interesting to keep your eye on at the moment is there are a lot of retail players or like big companies that are coming into this space right now. Mm. Like we mentioned the AFL, that's just one in Australia. There's Mm. a lot of people who are launching new projects, but it's not just like some random startup company that's doing it. It's a big brand that's going, hey, maybe we should learn about this. Maybe we should play in this space. And I think that's really cool. Again, those acquisitions that are happening at the moment for those ones that are folding there's going to be a lot of growth there as well i think exactly and have you seen starbucks as well just released a Mm. nft loyalty program as well so their loyalty program would be one of the biggest in the world because obviously they're such a hardcore web 2 fan base and these web 2 fan bases are now probably getting emails they probably have emails of millions of people introducing them to this concept that is very foreign to them so over time these companies and these consumers will get educated about the whole process, but it's just a matter of time now. We just have to wait for these companies to figure out how to convert their consumers and then we can reap the rewards by listening to this podcast and and learning early and, and getting a step in the space before everyone else does. Yeah, but that loyalty programs, that is such an interesting concept and one like I, I love leaning into at the moment. Like if you think about it, right now that loyalty program exists, right? 
but they own it. They own the data. They are the only people who know what tier of Starbucks rewards I have. Whereas if I own that and I own that picture and then Meta is allowing me to put it on my Instagram or, you know, there's so many other opportunities. It just brings those pillars of blockchain and the pillars of NFTs together. It just allows you to own your own loyalty. Exactly. And you can also like, let's another concept that people don't really think about, but outside of the law, like imagine if you could have an option to publicly show what you're having at Starbucks, whether it's like a cappuccino or whatever. And then all these celebrities now are having like, say, for example, uh, Kendall Jenner, she has like a long black or whatever. Then that, that has potential for that potential drink to go have, sell more as well because now these consumers want to be like their celebrities and be like their fans it also extends further than that where these companies can use these nfts and the dart and people being able to use the blockchain to see what their favorite celebrities are drinking and then they can use that as campaigns as well to help sell more product like this it's so deep where you can go with this that people haven't really thought about especially with the with the loyalty program bit Oh my God, a hundred percent. Like, can you imagine if there was like, you got to a certain level of loyalty and then you unlocked and you could see like what someone was drinking and you could only order that drink, that super exclusive special drink if you had that level of MT. Like we could talk about this all day and ideate on where it could go, but there's so much opportunity here with Exactly that. Amazing. Well, Josh, it's been incredible having you on. I know there's still some people that are going to be skeptical listening to this. So going back, especially to, you know, when you first get started or if someone's looking to enter and buy their first NFT, what sort of advice would you have around things to look out for? I definitely recommend doing, and I covered this when I spoke at um, Oz CryptoCon, but it's definitely just doing the research, guys. Like the biggest mistake I found when I came into the space is that a lot of these retail consumers were coming in and just buying the first thing they saw because they thought it would go up. And that's the quickest way to get burned and then for you to hate the space and leave it. And that's my biggest like fear is that there's so much potential here and all these people are coming in, getting burnt and leaving it that they, and they won't come back in until five years later when they realize it's too late and they had all this opportunity to create brands, to, to invest into really undervalued assets right now digitally. So it's just doing the research and really reaching out and asking people as well. The Web3 space is very, as you probably know as well, Alicia, is very welcoming because it's such a small, hardcore community that if you have any questions, like even myself, I'm sure you guys as well, I answer all my DMs. So like if there's any questions that you have or you just, you can't really conceptualize certain things, just like send send people messages, everyone will help you out and then you can kind of progress your journey in the space then. But it's definitely do the research and really understand that it's not just about the monetary gain. If you're just in it for the monetary gain, that's the quickest way to get burned and the quickest way to get hurt as well. Try and find a niche that you love and it doesn't even have to be investing. It can be, for me, I love doing content. So I created a brand around content, but it's in the Web3 space. Whether you'd like doing real estate, it's like understanding what fractionalized NFTs are, maybe creating a database now that the rest of Australia will adopt when they do incorporate blockchain and they fractionalize all the assets as NFTs. It doesn't have to be as money. And like what you're doing, you're doing a podcast. It can be anything in the world. Whatever you enjoy doing, just find the Web3 equivalent and just really capitalize and niche down on that. Because in a few years' time, you'll be the best at it. You'll have the most knowledge. And you'll have a lot of opportunity as well to be able to grow that into like an actual business or something you enjoy long term. Yeah, I really love that advice. And that, as you said, you know, the people selling shovels, like that's where the money is to be made, especially right now, because other people have, you know, left the space. Those ideas aren't there right now. So if you have one and you can get the tech behind it, there's so much cool stuff you can do. Amazing. Well, we'll pop it all in the show notes. But Josh, if someone wants to come follow along, be part of your community, where can they go? 
Sure, it's all NFT for noobs. So four is the number four across TikTok, Instagram, Discord. We get a lot of DMs across Instagram every day. So just be like wary if you do DM me there. It might take a day or two to reply there. But just the same thing, NFT for noobs across those socials. And if you guys need any help or any questions, um, I'd love to help you guys out. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Josh, and we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Alicia, for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 